Hello, and welcome to the Marvelous Nerd Podcast, a form of positive fan culture, and you talk about all things nerdy, and your course, Henry. I'm with the co-host, Matthew. And this week on the show, we will be discussing DC, um, the whole thing, just the mess, the ups and downs, uh, mostly the DC EU, the sort of attempt to catch up to Marvel, and then the kind of excitement and maybe a bit of worry, but I think overall excitement about the new slate. Yeah seems altogether more unified as ever been in, in the past 10 years. Um, um, so, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, I feel like a big topic, like, like, which, like, being walking around in some ways, like, deploying around. Like, DC, yeah, they're doing things, and we always mention it. We don't even go into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's going to be a great episode in terms of just finally getting to the meat of the entire <laughs> uh, film industry and what mm. the hell it's doing at the moment. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. It's always a mystery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as always, <laughs> we uh, we have a um, Instagram account uh, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh, we do reviews during the week. Uh, currently, trying out wheels because we're old, and I just I just found out what they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I figured that out. So alongside our uh, reviews and rankings and such. Uh, we do have reels, which are fun and exciting and cool and youthful and hip and young and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> we are trendy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, as always, getting straight into the news uh, with Matthew's big list of news. Quick thing, quick fire <laughs> news. Okay, so here quick we go. News. Uh, for starters, we're linked to today's main topic. Uh, Aquaman 2 has had its test screenings recently, and according according to several insiders, it performed very badly. Some outlets have even gone as far as to suggest that oh. Jason Momoa will leave the DCEU as a result as he no longer wants to be associated with it, but this could be an exaggeration. Either way, initial reactions aren't good, and there are apparently a lot of issues to resolve before its release. Um, more slightly oh. sad news is that David Fincher has said that there's probably not much chance of Netflix going ahead with a third season of Mindhunter. According to Fincher, the cult hit starring Jonathan Groff, Holt McCallany and Anna Tov is too expensive and Netflix haven't seen the viewing figures that they want for that kind of money. It's likely sad news to many, but not entirely surprising after the aforementioned aforementioned three leads were all released from their contracts in 2020. So this is kind of essentially an official cancellation notice from the, the man himself. Also in terms of endings, we also have news that HBO's Succession will wrap up with its fourth season. Maybe it's to prevent Brian Cox from physically harming Jeremy Strong, we don't know. Um, More seriously, I think they've just said it's time to wrap it up, uh, which is fair. Um, HBO Max have officially ordered the production in kind of going from death to to birth. HBO Max officially officially ordered the uh, production of a television prequel to Stephen King's It called Welcome to Derry. Um, It's not based off any of King's kind of source material. They're going under their own steam. Andy Muschietti is attached to direct several episodes, including the pilot. Moving across the pond to Marvel, Quantum Mania has suffered Marvel's worst ever second week drop off at the box office, with gross dropping by nearly 70%. Um, It kind of is worth mentioning that this has probably been exaggerated by the fact that it did have a particularly good opening weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. But kind of do with that information as you will. 
other kind of big news for Marvel is that Stephen Yoon, who played Glenn in The Walking Dead and Mark Grayson in Invincible, as well as I think he got an Oscar nomination for his role in Minari, has reportedly joined the cast of Marvel's Thunderbolts in an undisclosed but substantial role. The news comes via Deadline, who also revealed that he is set to play a significant role in further MCU stories in the future. It was speculated a while ago that Sentry would that the character Sentry would feature in the film, likely as the antagonist, so that role was one of the most likely that's been speculated. Amadeus Cho is a name that's also been thrown around him, um, mainly because the film is supposed to be linked to Super Soldier Serum, and Amadeus Cho... Amadeus Cho in the comics, has his links to that. Um, however, since this character, Amadeus Cho, is meant to be a child prodigy, it seems unlikely that Stephen Yoon will be taking all that role, unless they're making a major change from the comics. Um, mm. Elsewhere, in terms of kind of casting, is that um, other rumours have suggested that Jonathan Majors will be appearing in several upcoming Marvel projects, including several episodes of Loki Season 2, and potentially even Shang-Chi 2. Uh, oh, Shang-Chi, sorry. Shang Chi Chi, Shang Chi Chi This comes following a rather humorous headline that, in all seriousness, thought it was necessary to report that Kang will return in Avengers: Kang Dynasty. Um, right. <laughs> we also have details regarding Ki Hoi Kwan's MCU character. He'll play a character called Orob. Orob Ouroboros, <laughs> the TVA's yeah, tech that's guy. Quite <laughs> <laughs> I'm mentioning this as it feels like a good segue to mention that he has picked up another award, this time a SAG award, for his role in Everything Everywhere All at Once and gave a yet another moving oh. speech upon collecting the award. The SAGs, also known as the Screen Actors Guild Award, to give it their full title, also saw Bob Odenkirk Bob Odenkirk miss out yet again on best male performance in the TV category, with the award going instead to Jason Bateman. This caused a bit of controversy. And finally, wow. you're going to love this news, but the Hollywood Reporter has revealed that Warner Brothers are going ahead with more Lord of the Rings films. And that is your news. More Lord of the Rings films? Mm-hmm. Mm, what does that mean? <laughs> I feel like we nailed it, you know? You don't... We need to go back to it. I think we're fine. <laughs> when has that ever been enough? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, it did it good three times. Did it middling three other times. Um, I, yeah, this, yeah, I'm fine with this, you know, the trilogy being a trilogy. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, more on the way. Um, however, the way. that brings the end to the news. I feel like I was quick. I feel like I was quick. I'm pleased with my performance. I mean, I did stumble over several names there. Um, But (laughs) otherwise, I'm going to... Yeah, Yeah, there were. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But yeah, main topic, DC. The state of DC. Yeah, the state of DC. Um, Hmm, I didn't even start this one, really. Um, Yeah, DC. (laughs) That's how it started. (laughs) Um... I guess, for me, the way to start this, really, is to talk about what went wrong. Um, like, not to say that the films that have been made by DC have been bad, um, mm. or universally bad, or whatever. But in terms of just a pure plan and a clear goal, in comparison mm-hmm. to uh, 
kind of competitors of Marvel. Um, very opposite approaches. Not even that, really, but very similar approaches, but one is kind of like the quick and easy way that doesn't work nearly as well. Um, mm. And I think that about sums it up, really, is that it's Marvel got very successful, and it's understandable from a purely business approach that you would go, oh, that's a new formula that works, let's do that formula, but it's not understanding why that formula actually works. Um, mm. So yeah, it's a strange one, um, I think, and I think when you put into the context of 2013 especially, a year after The Dark Knight Rises and uh, The Avengers, which was mm. uh, two very opposite events in the sense that The Avengers literally, as a film, birthed um, Marvel as it is now. Um, there's like a lot of the comedy is present in Iron Man, for example, and there's a lot of action in the previous films. But I feel like Avengers is where I feel the MCU becomes the MCU, um, mm. and it's kind of ironic that in this, that same year, The Dark Knight Rises came out, the, the finale uh, to Nolan's trilogy, and therefore led to a new clean slate to uh, for the entirety of DC, and it was kind of like birthing uh, one era and ending another in this exact same year and um, trying to restart it so soon after that ending um, mm-hmm. just kind of fell a bit flat um, but for you yeah how do you feel about what do you think went wrong like what do you think was the first foot put wrong really in this whole kind of uh, DC EU uh, timeline sort of thing yeah um, I think I think to kind of condense where it kind of went wrong, at least from the outside looking in, is the decision kind of by the people, that the producers and the studio behind this kind of this, this aspiring universe to kind of pin your future hopes on um, a director whose visual and kind of narrative style is so blatantly different to the MCU and then act surprised when the final product isn't the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think, I don't necessarily think that kind of opting to go with Zack Snyder as the kind of director behind the big universe plans was necessarily a bad decision because he's a director that his style ultimately suits kind of comic books, I feel. Um that kind of larger than life and perhaps yes doesn't he doesn't live in the ambiguity of something but i think that kind of larger than life big screen kind of visual style is something that kind of suits the kind of the broad reputation that comics have um and i feel like you you, you you're gonna you're gonna end you're gonna hire someone who's gonna come in with Zack snyder and who is gonna have a have something to strive towards. They've got a vision, um, and I and I I don't think there's any kind of fault there. I think the problem was that they kind of hired him and expected him to do something different, and that when the kind of success that they had in mind didn't come, they panicked. <laughs> yeah, like you said, you, you know, you, Christopher Nolan with those kind of those, those Dark Knight films. You know they're very good films, but they're also films that appeal to quite a broad audience. 
they're very marketable films you know that they're films that everybody can kind of go to the cinema and see and enjoy whereas Zack Snyder has this reputation of being quite divisive and not necessarily controversial controversial but you know you know the hardcore fans of his will enjoy his work but general audiences and even critics haven't always uh, seen eye to eye with him and so coming off the kind of the back of those two kind of creative people and then the background you've got kind of the mcu going on which like you said with the avengers it's becoming the mcu it's becoming that very kind of collaborative quite a well-oiled machine if you will of loads of people kind of pitching in with this yes you've got you've got kind of big name directors in the form of john favreau and and joss whedon um but at the same time it is very much a controlled team effort Mm. Um, and I think kind of DC or Warner Brothers had the kind of success that Marvel had in mind, that broader universe with the various possibilities of, of spin-offs and several films. They had that kind of success in mind, but kind of went for it with the same the same approach to what created the, the Dark Knight films, which was never really going to work, I don't think. Mm. Yeah. Um and so, yeah, it ended up with a very strange situation where after a while you could tell that some people weren't happy with the films they were making themselves. Yeah. And that that never really bodes well. Um, mm. And then, then you have the whole thing with kind of Batman vs Superman where they just kind of... There's kind of the infamous, infamous memory stick. And it's not a memory stick, it's email. It's an email, isn't it? It's an email mm. link. To yeah. all the all the other all the other heroes, um, which was a very very strange choice, um, but yeah, I suppose kind of Zack Snyder's a major talking point in terms of the DC EU, at least at least how it was initially. Um, yeah. What would what, what how how would you tackle kind of the subject of of Mister Snyder? <laughs> um, I think when it comes to Snyder, his approach, I think there's nothing really wrong with it and i don't think there's any uh i do actually believe that a universe of films uh, created by snyder in his approach could work um mm-hmm. i just think everyone on the production especially the higher-ups had just different ideas of what was happening um mm. i think snyder knew what he was doing and tried best to communicate that i think some producers might have gotten that Oh yeah, our thing is that DC is not really quite like Marvel, even though we are doing a, a universe a kind of crossover thing. Um, at the same time as that, we're going to be quite, you know, the whole kind of uh, thing is like MCU is bright and clean and family friendly, and DC is, you know, dark and moody and they fight in the rain and all that sort of thing. Um, mm. And I think, I think there was kind of this weird thing where they. They knew that, that that was their like almost their their unique selling point in some ways, um, but at the same time still wanted the end result of yeah this will be Marvel what we can do and and on top of that it was his idea that um, we can you know make a film in twenty thirteen and then make a film three years later and then that will be the film where Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman crossover in the same film. And it's just a bit of a fast track, really. Um, it kind of feels like... I mean, when you think about it, it's it's like watching Iron Man 
and then the next film you watch the Civil War. Um, mm. it's, it's just, it just doesn't make sense, really. Um, and I think it's a bit of a... And I think it, it really harms as well the characters in the sense that whilst I do like both of these films, I will say that I would much rather have at least one more Minor Seals film before we got to uh, BVS. Um, so I think by the time you get to BVS, especially in the theatrical cut, um, you know, Clark Kent and Superman, he doesn't get anything to do for the majority of that film. Um, and it's really quite unfortunate. I think it's really mostly the stuff that's on the cutting floor and uh, part of the ultimate edition that's mm. lets my character breathe. But in the theatrical cut, which I haven't watched in a long time, but I remember thinking a lot that this character has nothing to do in a film where he's a part of the title. Um, and then when you add on to that, some really, even though I do like this film, again, um, I think about, there's like five minutes of the film where I'm like, why is this even here, where it's you know, like the, the infamous email kind of link uh, that just kind of saw kisses um, the, the League. Um, and all the origins and stuff like that. And then for me as well, as as beautiful as it, as, as it is and cool, the whole nightmare sequence of Batman and the Dark Side's kind of apocalypse world um, was visual, visually very, very cool. I'm always just watching it thinking, why is this even, why is this here? This is, this is a post-credits scene at most. Um, it's, not a, it's not a thing something you just kind of throw into the film as a dream sequence. Um, it's very kind of a, a weird choice, I would say. Um, and I think, yeah, this kind of rushing and fast-tracking a formula, um, but at the same time doing it slowly in the sense that there's less films and more time between the films. Um, I think that's weirdly kind of interesting about them. Um, that they're not, you know, you could say that Marvel were making a film per year, sometimes two films per year, um, and then got to their big event. Um, but you see, we're kind of releasing a film every three years. Um, mm. And then 2016, I guess, was kind of the big year of uh, BBS and Suicide Squad, um, which was like a, it was like a real two-hit punch uh, for a lot of people at the time, um, of just people not liking your film for being too long and dark um, and moody. And then not like in different films for being too short and comedic and weirdly tonally just odd. <laughs> um, so it was a very it's a very weird year for DC. Um, and I just think I don't know if you would agree, but I think for me I just felt like I still think it's now where I just think none of it none of it fits together. Um, mm. I think the Snyder verse, whatever you want to call it, I think it it only makes sense when he's directing it and writing it and is part of the whole kind of crew, really. Um, I think when you try to... I still find it strange, and I find it incredibly hard to put the James Wan uh, Aquaman film inside of the, the Snyder universe from Man of Steel, for example. Um, there's, there's not the same world at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's... It's like a... It's just a weird series of events that are almost like opposites each time, where it's, we're going dark, we're going comedic now, we're going, you know, we're doing big, you know, three-hour epics, oh, now we're doing under two hours, uh, uh, and, you know, locking the, locking the editor out of the room. 
and doing it ourselves sort mm. of thing. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, it's in a weird world. I, I mean, for you, do you feel like uh, this, this universe, this DCEU, would have been better served by being just a Zack Snyder three or five films um, rather than a big universe of a director like James Wan, for example, or Pi Jenkins takes on board uh, one of his characters and does their own thing. So I think for me, Snyder is so individual that um, it, it's almost always a bit weird to imagine the other films being in the same universe as BVS. <laughs> this is such a wide difference. Um, mm. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I think. I think it kind of stems from the strange position of when you look at the MCU and you look at kind of the people that are tying that together, you look at kind of the producers and Kevin Feige and Victoria Alonso um, and Nate Moore. I think I don't think he was there from the start, but Natalie Nate Moore. And you see kind of people who are in kind of the right roles to hold things together, if you know what I mean. Mm. So it always kind of feels like a strange position to be in when you have somebody who's kind of in the director's chair for these films being almost kind of put in charge of the universe but not actually being put in charge of the universe Mm, it kind of felt like these other films kind of the wonder woman film the ekran film were being it it wasn't like it never felt like Zack snyder was in charge of them if that makes sense it always felt like Zack snyder's making these films and then someone entirely separate to him has said we need we need to have these other films that connect to it without actually speaking to Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and they always kind of feel like... Those are the films that always kind of feel like they're on a leash to the rest of the, the, the DCU. Like, mm-hmm. they're trying desperately to get away, but they're on some kind of leash that's tying them to it. Yeah. And then obviously kind of after Zack Snyder left and there was that really strange... I just want to call them the void years, <laughs> yeah. where it never it never seemed like anybody was in charge at all. I know technically it was Walter Hamada, but it never felt like anyone was in charge at all. And in that kind of, kind of void years, it felt like everyone just let go of the leashes, and all these directors were just doing whatever they wanted, and no one was no one was reining them in. Mm. Um, and yes, it, it was just a really it was a really strange way of kind of marshalling the universe. Because you would imagine if you're kind of getting Zack Snyder to do these films, you're going to take a similar approach to kind of like how he handled the the Dark Knight films with Christopher Nolan, where you're just going to kind of let Zack Snyder tell his story over his films. Mm. But there was this constant kind of intention to kind of prod and poke other films in there. Um, And I think you can see that with kind of the initial, the first few films, because I feel like, while Zack Snyder doesn't, they don't feel like Zack Snyder films, like the, suicide, uh, the first Suicide Squad and the first Wonder Woman film, there are at least kind of, there are links between them. Like, mm. it, it, it feels kind of like with the, with, like someone kind of watched the Zack Snyder films and thought, so if we're going to stay consistent, that film has to be darker. Yeah. And that film has to have a similar palette. Because I feel like both those two films. They do have some kind of link to what Zack yeah. Snyder was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the action sequences in the first Wonder Woman film, particularly when she um, goes into, into No Man's Land and t- retakes that town, 
that does kind of feel a bit snidery, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does, yeah. Um, and kind of the almost the grimness and the the literal visual darkness, I suppose, of yeah. Suicide Squad. I guess you could link that to the, the films that Snyder did. But like you say, at the same time, they're not... They don't feel like they sync well with... Mm with what Snyder did. I know you mentioned kind of the odd kind of random occurrences that kind of take away from BBS. I think it's in BBS. But is it the the bit where the Flash goes back in time? Or at least we assume it's the Flash going back in time to talk to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Is that in BBS? Yeah. Because I remember that and thinking, who the hell are you? (laughs) Yeah. it It was like, and one of the strangest things about that scene is always how it just happens. And then it's like, it's like it never happened for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. It's like a guy has travelled back from the future in a strange suit in a massive kind of blue sparkly portal. Hmm. And it's like it never happened. He just sort of... I think he wakes up again from the dream and then goes, oh, yeah. it must have been a dream, even though looking anywhere <laughs> around him, there's clearly paper flying everywhere. Um, <laughs> so he kind of just wakes up and goes... All right, I guess I'm going to move on to the other flash drive. I got <laughs> just kind of just sort of moves on. Yeah, and it, it it kind of speaks to how it feels like someone's trying to tell this this several several film thing going on with the Snyder films and that kind of that kind of really dark kind of depiction of the Justice League. Mm. And yet, it's like they've kind of remembered every now and then. Oh yeah, I'm meant to be building a universe. Let's just put this scene in here. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I think that was kind of. It was. It was. It felt like to try and kind of sum it up. It feels like it just constantly feels like the people that are kind of writing and directing these films are being forced into boxes. Yeah. That they just don't really feel comfortable being in or want to be in. Um. It. It. Like the, the the building of a universe often feels like a task to them. It yeah. doesn't feel like they're crafting this overarching story. It feels like they're just doing a job in some mm-hmm. points. And like you said, I when it comes to the extended version of BVS, I actually quite enjoy it. Mm. There are yeah. a lot of things in that film, a lot of ideas that I do kind of sit back and appreciate. Um, I think one of the things that you've mentioned kind of on the past and in the, on the podcast is that scene with with Martha and Bruce. Um, because the kind of the famous quote where it's you know you, you could be their hero or you could be none of it. You don't owe them, owe them anything, yeah. which for me is, I love that scene. Yeah, it's great. I think it, it's not it's not perhaps the straight laced traditional interpretation of, of Superman, but I feel like it's almost the perfect Superman moment mm. in in those films, and I, I you know that's one of several moments that I just just really love. Yeah. Um, when you kind of look back on these, especially mainly the Snyder films in the early days, are there any moments that you kind of particularly particularly like? I honestly think when it comes to like looking back on them building this universe, I think for me it is quite a lot of the, especially the smaller kind of Clark Kent moments for me. Mm. Um, I think I know the fact that you know there's a lot of kind of discussion around uh, the Kents and their sort of role in his in the Snyder world and how they're kind of a bit more cynical than you'd maybe think they would be. Like they're, they're less of a 
of a clear-cut good guy like Uncle Ben, for example, or even Park Kent in the Madonna films. Um, they're a bit more... There's a perfect example that I think has been a bit misinterpreted by some audiences where in Man of Steel, uh, Park Kent, talking to Clark Kent as a very uh, a very young man, just asks, he says something like, I think Clark asks him, um, what was I meant to do just to let everyone die? And and Park Kent or Chong Kent uh, has like a moment of like, he pauses and goes, maybe. And like, I think people take that as a kind of a, kind of like a very, um, a very weird thing for a father to say or someone like Uncle Ben to say in a film. But I've mm. always found that kind of, that scene and that reaction to be very, very, very relatable of like, if you were in that situation um, and your son or whatever had this sort of untapped power, which by, you know, if you just show it to anyone, could lead to him being taken to some sort of government facility and never seeing him again sort of thing. Um, like the complication in him saying maybe isn't him saying, yeah, like, like we'll die, you know, Snyder's about, you know, the real world and people die in every world. It's not something like that. It's not edgy like that. It's more just like, to me at least, like, there's like a father being like, I've got no idea what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I think there are like things like that across the board with um, with his films that are every, like they pop up every, every so often amongst the big three hour runtime of, you know, and the world ending usually in, in each film. Um, which is again, I think, a thing that Snyder does really well. Where I do like a lot of your action action in the genre, but I don't think anyone's ever quite, especially with Man of Steel. I don't think anyone's ever quite tapped into actually seeing people move at super speed doing fights quite as well as mm. he has. There's something about the way he films, especially with the handheld sort of footage. He does it quite a lot. Uh, the way he captures movement with the Superman character uh, fighting uh, Zod. Uh, for example, that I still think is, you know, up there with some of the best in the genre. And I know there's a lot to be said about the destruction that it causes, but um, even then, I would say that even if it doesn't fit and it's a bit weird to kind of watch, I, I generally am kind of amazed by this, like, the, the, like, the complete, like, commitment to what he's doing when you're watching the end of Man of Steel and people are like, the whole city's getting like decimated. <laughs> um, there's something like weirdly harrowing whenever I watch Man of Steel near the end, where I'm like, this is in a way that's not usually present in these movies, quite horrible to watch. Um, I mean, a great example is that Avengers, for example, is a movie that came out a year before, and it's a very similar thing, really, where an alien army comes to attack New York, um, which is essentially Metropolis. And at no point would I say in Avengers am I ever like, this is harrowing, you know, this is like, this is this is like too real or anything like that. Um, and whether it fits or not, or whether you like it or not, is completely subjective. But I can't help but just admire the fact that he did that with a genre that never does that really. Um, it's kind of fascinating. So I I rarely think that the thing that went wrong with these films, well, with these this universe really, was the quality really of these films. I'm not saying they were perfect or that they didn't have some issues in them, but I don't think it's that that was the main cause. For me, it's also been like the idea of just pulling the plug that the everyone behind the, t- the scenes did, where they were like, let's give Snyder three to five films, a whole like part one, part two, Justice League sort of thing. And, you know, 
let's plan the screen lighting thing and this and that, and then get into the second film, seeing the reception, and then like, I guess the box office drop off, um, and then going, ah oh, no, okay, let's pull the plug on a film that's already in production and a plan mm. already in place and in motion, and like that the the reverberation of that decision um, really just outlasted until about a month ago <laughs> um, for DC. Um, just sort of pulling the plug on the whole plan, I think literally led to about four to five, well, actually five, six years of this complete and utter, uh, what are we doing? We're doing, you know, whatever sounds good. <laughs> and just calling it, you know, its own thing now. We're not even going to try to pretend we're doing universe. Um, it's just been a, a bit, yeah, a bit strange. I think that was kind of the issue, really. Just the idea that Snyder didn't, you know, connect with audiences in the way that they thought he was going to, and then just deciding to throw it all in the bin in like one second, in one day, after like a week after the BVS came out, pretty much. It felt like at least. Um, mm. Yeah, so I don't know. I think, I mean, for me, I've always felt as well that uh, films like Wonder Woman, for example, proved that these films can work quite well. Um, and also hit a mainstream audience, even if they are going to be a bit darker um, and do a bit more of that Snyder sort of action thing that he does. Um, and I just, by, I think by the time you get to Justice League, which is meant to be, and I'm talking more about obviously the 2017 cut, uh, really, um, by the time you get to that film and you compare that experience, really, you can't help but compare that experience to uh, get into Avengers, and you watch that film, and for me at least, I felt nothing for two hours, and then I left, and I just felt really tired, and I thought, wow, this whole universe, this whole kind of hearing the news cycle and what DC's doing, and what's you know in production, and what set forth being released, and it all led to the big climactic, everyone coming together sort of film, and it was that. <laughs> it wasn't mm. Avengers. It wasn't Endgame. It wasn't you know, anything to really care about for more than two seconds after the film was over. It was just a weird PS3 video game <laughs> that came out um, sort of mm. thing. Um, I just, it just kind of, I think that deflated any excitement going forward in terms of like Ben Affleck Batman or Harry Carroll Superman. Mm. I think that all kind of, that easily just threw it in the bin where the big film where everyone comes together is the one that everyone goes that's the worst one. <laughs> um, it's kind of insane that that, that came to be. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of led to this weird sort of panic of just like, what are we doing? We don't know. Um, which did lead to some interesting things. I think, you know, whatever your opinion is on Joker, it is kind of incredible that that film happened. Um, the fact that that film came out, was like was made and came out and got the buzz that I got and then got the money that I got is pretty incredible. Um, and I can't imagine that happening if the Snyderverse or uh, a DC universe had sort of gone well in that early period. Mm. Um, I think by that point, it would have all been very controlled and very singular. Um, the fact that we got a Joker film that's that weird is bizarre. Um, and even, you know, some films that aren't really, I would say at least, aren't that good, like Aquaman. Um, when they, you know, I think there's, this. I think, I will at least say that I think that film is, is unique in what it's doing, in the sense that 
it is definitively a James Wan movie. It, I I can see mm. some previous seven in that movie, <laughs> um, in every kind of step it does. Um, I mean, I think I will say that you know, compared to Marvel, just to kind of give DC kind of like a, a point, I guess I will say that because of the the I guess because of the fuck up of like um, their plans, it led to more interesting weird stuff. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, I guess we're doing that now. I mean, that, that's the production. I guess we can't get rid of that. So I guess we're just doing it. Um, like the amount of like just weird things that kind of came out, or like even like you know films that were sequels or part of the universe, like Wonder Woman eighty four, a film that you know is quite you know controversial, not well liked, but I think we both uh, quite liked it. it was to surprise mm. more people, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, the fact that that film came out and was the film that it was, which I would describe as very weird. Because um, mm, it's it not, it's very different to the first film. It's almost like, it's almost trying to be like the exact opposite of the first film. It's yeah. like insane in some ways, but it's not the first film. Um, it reminds me actually a lot of uh, the amazing Spider-Man films. Um, because I can't, in a lot of ways, I can't see how that first film's kind of style and tone and color palette is the same universe as the second one, <laughs> um, which is so like hyper vibrant and poppy and way more tonally, I would say, weird in a bad way, but also kind of in a, in a very fun light. Sometimes it's quite sweet and romantic. Sometimes Electro's saying lines like, it's my birthday time to light my candles. <laughs> um, it's all, all over the place. I think that's kind of a similar situation to uh, Wonder Woman and the second, the, the sequel, uh, 1984, where it's like, it's bizarrely different. And I don't think that would have happened um, if by that point DC was up and running and committed to Snyder or whatever it may have been. Um, I mean, yeah, for you, do you think, whilst we do kind of look upon the period of like, what the hell is DC doing? Of like some sort of like I guess dismay of like oh I wish they would just like knew what was happening. Yeah, would you agree that there kind of it led to a lot of weird stuff <laughs> that was kind of fun? <laughs> it did. It kind of it almost felt like quite wide open in terms of stories coming in that just just strangely don't fit and coming from really strange choices of, of stories and characters to adapt. It felt like people were kind of scrambling for for what people liked in amongst like a wide array of things that opinions were very mixed on. And I think the kind of the yeah. examples of that being things like uh, the Birds of Prey film, which mm. comes with kind of a sequel and a spin-off to a very poorly reviewed film. Mm, yeah. <laughs> However, they, they kind of they kind of knew that Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was was or at least could be something special. Which I mean personally I think that you know, she's really owned that character and a lot of good comic book stuff has come from her in that role from Birds of Prey and from um, the Suicide Squad, the kind of the sequel. Um, and so, yeah, it, it allowing for such a variation did result in a lot of good things. Granted, it also kind of, it kind of resulted in a lot of, a lot of other, other stranger things which maybe won't be remembered as fondly. Um, but I suppose as well you could say in a weird way if things hadn't been as scattered and if things hadn't been as wide open as they were 
we wouldn't have ended up in the situation now where James Gunn would be in charge. Yeah, probably not. Um, because if there wasn't that leadership void, then there wouldn't have been the case of, of James Gunn being appointed after after having a lot of success with the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Mm. Um, even though we kind of had that weird power struggle moment where The Rock came in and was... <laughs> <laughs> Was was trying to take control. It's like he kind of saw an opportunity and came in right now. I'm in charge. Meanwhile, yeah. actual studio execs were appointing someone to actually be in charge. Yeah, that was um, awesome. And it was very strange that he didn't know about that because I feel like if he didn't know, he probably wouldn't have said the things he said. Yeah, because like they must have been just been holding like meetings about him going, why mm. why is the rock being brutal now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very kind of strange, strange situation. Because also, we've got the Batman as a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's something that has gone down very well, and that mm. that's something that's also kind of continuing. And you know, the opportunity for that wouldn't have been there if there wasn't this kind of void year or void years, yeah, where yeah. people were just doing whatever they wanted. Mm. Um, and so yeah, and that kind of chaos has kind of come to a point now where maybe we're going to get something that is a bit more focused and that maybe the future is actually exciting for people who want that more shared universe. Yeah. Um, and so are we, are we kind of ready to talk about what's ahead or are there any other points you want to cover on the kind of the years that have been in the last few? <laughs> um, I think we can go ahead. I think it's, yeah, I think, with DC is interesting because we've had like a weird period of like wondering what they're doing, and now for the first time in years we actually know what they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and if you want to get into this, like your uh, feelings on it, I guess, and the whole kind of slate that we have. Yeah, so kind of the new slate. I think it's yeah, you know, it's a strange one to know where to start because we've kind of got the leftover films. I mean, it sounds mm. cruel to call them that, but yeah. they essentially are. <laughs> yeah, kind of are. Um, the kind of the what have we got? We've got Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods. We've got um, the Flash, and then we've got Aquaman two, um, which just strange. I don't. I don't even know how to approach them. Really, they just. <laughs> I don't envy the position they're in because nobody wants to be in a situation where your film's coming out. But yeah, everyone kind of everyone kind of knows that nothing's gonna come from it, if you know what I mean. Which yeah. must be cool. I mean, it's 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 strange to be saying that because, you know, not too long ago now it was a case of when you were making a film like this, you were just making the one and mm. you didn't necessarily expect anything to come of it. But now if you are making a superhero film, there is kind of the expectation that after this there's gonna be more, there's gonna be something at least. Yeah. So it, it's strange for them for those films that are coming out, kind of knowing they don't have a future. But kind of beyond that, what James Gunn has planned is a really interesting mix of of both the headlines that many people would expect and want, but also things that are they seem very individual to him. It seems yeah. very much like you, you, you can see why he, knowing from like his previous work, why he's going for several of the films he's going for. 
Um, which is a very interesting position to be in, almost kind of similar to, you know, if you're hiring Zack Snyder, you know that Zack Snyder has a very particular idea and he's going to try and execute it. Mm. In a way, we're in a very similar position with James Gunn now. Um, But at the same time, we actually have someone who is backed by the studio. Like, he is the head of the studio. He's overseeing everything. And so I would... I guess... My attitude towards it is what you'd probably call cautious optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because this, this, you know, track records have proven that this is no easy thing to do. Mm. Um, yet, I feel like you have one of the more, most capable people of achieving it in James Gunn. Yeah. How do you kind of feel about the general kind of outlook? This kind of next year it... included, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of, the most optimistic I've ever been about DC in quite a while. Um, mm. I think for me, it's a case of, I look at that slate and for me, it's it's a pretty perfect slate in the sense that what we have uh, coming up at least is um, these films that are half the thing that you want and half the mm. thing that you don't probably don't know that you want and then you all of the characters the way that James Gunn does very, very well. Mm. Um I have a feeling that's probably the way it's going to go. And I kind of just trust him that he has kind of the work ethic and the and the kind of experience together to kind of really commit to this for the next couple of years or 10 years or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. I am excited to see it. And I, just, I, I hope as well, having a, as much as I like Kevin Feige, I think it's interesting having a Kevin Feige-esque sort of role and person and personality uh, but also that that person is primarily a, a creative uh, uh, actual director uh, slash writer um, mm. I think that's incredibly interesting that the idea of like imagining if Zack Snyder for example or Nolan or whoever wasn't only just the the director but also the actual kind of showrunner in a way like the producer um, mm. it's kind of it's so so rare that you get that and we have it in uh, James Gunn and I think as well already I think as well um, his communication with us um, has been really quite upfront and nice mm. in a way uh, compared to a lot of um, uh, DC kind of communication where it's a bit like alright we're doing this press conference sort of thing and we're announcing this and it's a bit weird and you kind of don't trust them and then uh, a month later like half of them get cancelled um, and I think having just the simplicity of James Gunn either tweets something and we take it seriously and or he sends out a five minute video of him in front of a wall and just saying okay so what we've got coming up is this and you know mm. all we have to go on really is the he says it and there's an image of a comic and he goes it's going to be good I promise and we go yeah like I think for me that this I think that kind of sets the ship right already in the sense that he's communicating with us he's letting us know what's happening He's saying what the, I think as well, just the, the idea that, um, I think two things start for me as well with um, that announcement of the new slate where not just the films, but also the way he highlighted the, the ethos going forward where he said uh, uh, no film will go into production without a completed script that we're confident in. Mm. Um, which sounds insane in terms of just like, it's amazing that that happens where you get a film in production that hasn't got a script that, you know, that just happens, I guess. Um, 
weird. <laughs> but um, that's just a lot of confidence that is already in. I have a lot of confidence in believing that he really does mean that. And then you have the other element where um, he clearly wants it to be a strange universe. I don't think he wants it to be a universe where it's all the same tone and mm. everything is singular and unified completely and utterly. I think he's very aware of that whilst there will probably be some tonal similarities and a bit of maybe a visual kind of style that kind of lends itself to um, a bit of kind of uh, a widest, I guess, and kind of a character that it could it could uh, take into its into his stories. Um, but like he highlighted, for example, near the end, um, the idea that the Swamp Thing interacting with Superman will be a thing, and it will be as weird as people thought that Rocket Raccoon and um, Iron Man would be together. Um, mm. And I think if he can pull it off again in a different way, yeah, I think this universe could be really particularly great. And I think it's kind of a weird thing with the MCU where because of its success, it's almost got rid of what made the magic in the first place in a strange way. In the sense that when it comes to Avengers 3 and 4 especially, I, I guess, um, I wouldn't say that there's too much... I don't ever feel like the characters don't make sense being next to each other, sort of thing. Like, it's weird. Mm. It's certainly weird seeing, seeing certain characters being next to each other and talking. But at the same time, I think the visual style and also the tonal kind of consistency, um, I think by the time you get to the third or fourth phase of Marvel, I do think there is kind of the issue of, well, yeah, of course, you know, Iron Man would talk to Drax and Destroy because it's at this point the MCU is pretty much it's pretty much tonally at least going for the same thing and visually going for the same thing in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I think having a director like James Gunn or like a showrunner, I guess you call him, I think he understands that what made, for example, the first Avengers work um, is that you couldn't, you really, for me, I couldn't imagine like John Favreau's Iron Man standing in the George Johnston Captain America sort of world. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we got away of that for all the characters is kind of is kind of a big part of the magic of that first film. Um, and I think if we can actually keep that going for DC, where you can't properly imagine Superman being the same scene with Swamp Thing or uh, Amanda Waller or whatever whoever it may be, or the the Authority, I think they're called. Um, mm. Uh, I would like. I would love it if those those tra trailers or whatever the films came out, and it was so weirdly different to each other. Yeah, at some point you knew that you were going to see them like talking to each other. I think that mm. will kind of recapture the magic of the whole idea of what a crossover even is anymore. Um, so I think if we just maintain kind of the course of what we're doing and let people do what they want at the same time. I think that you know could lead to a really healthy mix of genuine weirdness and creativity, and also the satisfaction of oh, and eventually they'll all come together to defeat an enemy or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, so I think I I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think for yourself, do you think you're more excited for the kind of the, the I don't want to say the main ones because it's kind of a bit rooted arrest, but kind of 
um, you know, that that driven the ball to uh, Superman Legacy? Or are you kind of, let's say, knowing she has good strengths, are you a bit more excited for the authority? Or uh, I think it's, what was it, what's the first thing he announced? The um, Creature Commandos, was it? Uh, creature Commandos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, which one for you was like kind of the more exciting route we're going down? I think, I think it is really interesting to see the, just the the mix of these really kind of obscure ones that very few people have heard of with kind of the headliners. Mm. I feel like a lot of people would probably have been disappointed with it being kind of unfairly so to James Gunn, but a lot of people would have been disappointed if there wasn't characters like Batman or Superman yeah. included in the slate. Um, and then there are other characters who, you know, you think it's probably about time they do get something that maybe gives them the time they deserve. Stuff like the Green Lantern series, which has been knocking about for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, these kind of more obscure ones, like um, like the Authority, like Creature Commandos, it kind of speaks to what perhaps Marvel has done with some of its characters in the past and done with James Gunn even where, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy were a fairly, to most audiences, they were fairly obscure uh, comic characters. Yet now, because of those films and the success those films have had, they are household names. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really kind of excellent place to be at in terms of introducing characters that are very new to audiences and having them interact with, you know, characters that aren't as new. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I was to pick kind of from his slate which ones I'm really looking forward to, I would actually maybe pick, pick the the Supergirl for their film. Oh, I yeah. feel like from kind of the brief things that have been said, I feel like that sounds really quite exciting in that it's being helmed like one of the writers in kind of the writers' room is the is the the guy that wrote that comic that it's based on. Oh yeah. But it's kind of one of a few things that just seems really interesting about that that kind of project and how much he's kind of being placed on a character that has never really been in the spotlight before. I mean, I know a lot of people will, will have heard of her and there's the obvious link to Superman, but there seems to be a lot of kind of emphasis being put on that film. And it's kind of, it's, it seems to me that it is writers and directors really backing themselves to handle these characters and to do it in a way that, you know, helps elevate them to a level that characters like Superman and Batman are at. Um, and I think it is really interesting and also it really kind of it just fits so well with um, with James Gunn I mean yeah. kind of from doing research if you aren't familiar with characters like Booster Gold Booster Gold is a James Gunn character he's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a hero from the future who becomes obsessed with the heroes of the present and like travels back in time to become one yeah. it's it's a really kind of fun kind of aspect and they just very much fit with kind of the ethos and everything that James Gunn kind of has going for him. Yeah. Um, I did kind of a bit of research on the authority and it's, that is, that is one wild backstory. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the things that kind of read was that originally it was kind of like a watchman thing where it was more detached from DC and then it got kind of folded in. And originally they were, they were a team that weren't called the Authority, but a team called Stormwatch. 
And then one of the things I read was that most of the Stormwatch characters got killed off in an alien crossover by Xenomorphs, which is just strange. It's wacky. It's out there. But like you said, it's something that is just it's so interesting. I mean, I don't think we'll be seeing the aliens interact with them, but it's kind of it's kind of that wackiness and the variedness that comics can bring. And I feel like James Gunn is one of the best people to kind of channel that. Mm. And kind of one of the other things kind of, you mentioned kind of the ethos or that kind of the, the feeling that kind of you get from behind the scenes that, that James Gunn brought to this is kind of the idea of the writers being at the center of this. Yeah. Um, which isn't necessarily something we've seen before with films and with TV shows. It's, it's, it's been a, kind of a mainstay. But that kind of move to kind of a writer's room, really, you know, bringing the synergy between projects is something that also kind of I think bodes well for it. And a, a very varied team of writers as well mm. um, is really quite interesting because it kind of we have kind of seen that with the MCU in that there are several projects that have been written by by the same writer, like um, Jack Schaefer um, was the kind of the showrunner for WandaVision. Um, but she also wrote Black Widow, and I think she's doing like the Vision Quest spin-off. Michael Waldron, Wald, Wald, <laughs> another name butchered. Um, you know, the showrunner for both seasons of Loki also wrote Multiverse of Madness, and Jeff Loveness now, who wrote Quantum Mania, is kind of writing um, Kang Dynasty, with Waldron also writing um, Secret Wars. And so it's kind of like a pattern that of the future that James Gunn really seems to have embraced with this. And it's another kind of, just one of those little, little, little focuses that, you know, considering everything we've said about how the previous universe never really felt like it was all that together, going into this now, there seems to be a real intent of kind of learning from where previous projects haven't, haven't come together. Mm. And it makes for a genuinely really interesting kind of future. A very kind of, very ambitious but also just one that you can tell people are going to have fun with creating which kind of always bodes well for viewers having fun with it as well Mm. um so yeah that's kind of i suppose i've I've talked myself into my own summary there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um have your you always kind of your sentiment kind of coming off the back of the news we've been given um I think my sentiment is that I feel like um, the sense that the genre, uh, the actual, not even just like the, the franchise of DC or Marvel, just the genre of comic books in general on film has like a new look to it. Um, I think in a weird way, as much as I'd rather that the films, all the films are just good, <laughs> um, it's kind of more interesting to me that we're finally in a time period where I feel like the, the DC could um, actually be not a threat, really, to Marvel, because it's not really a real thing, that whole Marvel-DC thing, but mm. kind of like, I like the idea that, you know, you can have more choice um, than just the MCU and what that might, might what that might be offering uh, you at any time. Because like I say, when it comes to MCU films that don't work so well, where, for example, uh, Quartamani that we didn't particularly love, um, or myself with Love of Thunder, I kind of like looking around at this superhero genre, like, where else do I go then? Because, like, <laughs> what else do I look towards after like, the past? Where do I go? Because, mm-hmm. you, know? um, you know, I can't help but be a bit worried about Marvel. And I'm, you know, 
one, I haven't really connected with the previous two films aside from Wakanda Forever. Um, and one also is about literally the, the villain of the next phase. Um, so I think it's it's nice to have be able to look at a franchise that's upcoming at least and to really look forward to it. And I really can't wait to see even just like a trailer um, for hmm. one, one of these movies, like whichever one it is. Just kind of want to see what it looks like. I want to see what the tone is. Um, I know that even if I don't love the tone or whatever, I know that it's just one. Of, it's going to be one corner of a bigger DC universe. Um, yeah. And I do generally trust that out of every director you could possibly be doing a whole universe of superhero things. I do believe that the one person that would make it all different and weird and goofy is probably James Gunn. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do trust that. Um, I think that, but that's kind of my summary as well. Like, I think my summary is basically that I do trust that James Gunn will at the very least do some challenging and strange things that will be, be very James Gunn with these films. Mm. And rather that than just either waffling around like we have been or not really committed to what you're doing like with Snyder where he didn't get a chance to. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for me really on DC at the moment. Um, I don't know, but what about you? Have you got anything else to say about mm. DC? One thing that kind of occurred to me was that um, we've also we've done a kind of for the Instagram we've done or, or you know we're putting together that post of of ranking the DCU films. Mm. I think it kind of it, it says a lot that I'm pretty sure we've both put the same films number one. Mm, yeah. If if that thing that you sent me was was your ranking as well as just the, the list yeah. of films, which I think it was. Yeah. We've we have put the same film at number one, and it is the film that was written and directed by the guy now in charge. So <laughs> I feel that like that's is... kind of nice. Yeah, that's kind a of nice a good thing. kind of yeah. <laughs> good a sign. Nice, really. nice, yeah, good sign. Um so yeah, I think that that is kind of the summary of that it's been a rocky road to get here, but kind of in a good way, it's been a necessary one, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. Hopefully it kind of it shows DC in the direction of how it how it is probably best situated to to exist and flourish. Mm. You know, they're they're in a position now where they've maybe learnt that trying to copy the MCU isn't isn't the way to go. There's a way of kind of there's a difference between replicating the MCU's success and replicating what they're actually doing. Mm. And how trying to exactly copy them step by step isn't how you kind of find that success. Mm. And I feel like that it's been a kind of a long road, but maybe that message has finally gotten through to somebody. And yeah. there's somebody maybe in charge that understands that and has put forward a slate or a future that, you know, just it's just exciting on its own. Yeah. It's not necessarily the idea of getting getting hyped up or excited for, for a big universe. It's getting excited for the actual individual projects and projects mm. that, you know, the people behind them that are making them are really excited for as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my summary. That's why I kind of want to leave it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. I think yeah. I think it's been kind of a a weird podcast because it starts out quite, it <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I'm like oh, but it's really good though. <laughs> Start off low and we build them up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me that about sums the whole thing up. Um, so yeah, I mean, if any of you uh, listening at home or wherever <laughs> uh, want to get in touch with any us, any of you uh, people, 
<laughs> you people. Uh, I just want to let us know uh, what you think about the DC universe and whether you preferred it before or you'd rather maybe even mm. think that Nolan Batman should have continued in somewhere. Um, anything, any hot take you have, let us know. <laughs> it's very interesting to hear them. Because uh, I think DC in general is just always an interesting topic. Because um, it's, so, it's just so weird. If you were to look at DC as one franchise and look at, you know, the Dark Knight compared to Green Lantern, for example, what a weird franchise. If you look at the Green Lantern, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, a weird one. Um, but yeah, before you go, I'll let you, just to tell you again, uh, we have the Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Um, where we do reviews during the week. Uh, we have, well, we currently uh, have the, the first half, I will say. Um, of the, the ranking of the DC, DCEU uh, because there's a lot of films it turns out um, so it's really <laughs> um, uh, we have that um, and then upcoming about two days after this podcast gets released uh, I will be doing a little write up on why I think uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, Mary Jane Watson is a pretty great character um, because Ooh, that is thought about recently um, so oh yeah she's a pretty good character I think I think she unfortunately gets a bit too much hate for being the damsel in this trip, which is understandable, but I think there's a lot more to it than that. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that about sums it up, really. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see you next week, yeah. and uh, have a good one. <laughs> yeah, have a good week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>